I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey everyone, welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 69, The Serendipity Mindset. I'm going to be reviewing the book called The Serendipity Mindset by Christian Bush. And this was a super fun book, just a kind of a cool idea. If you haven't signed up for my newsletter, and I know most of you haven't, (laughs) go ahead. I'm going to send out the first one this week. So I guess you'd get your first one the following week. But come on, it's not going to be like, I'm not going to be annoying. I promise. I'm just going to say, hey, I got a new episode. And maybe you get that notification in your podcast app. And maybe that's good enough for you. And if you do, what if you just also wrote a review if you really like my podcast? I am just trying to get a little more exposure out there. If you like it and want to share it or want to write a review, I'd be super grateful. And one more thing before I get into the topic. So last week I mentioned it was like the end of soccer season. We had some playoff games. My son had the most fun playoff game. Went into double overtime and then to penalty kicks and they won And their school hasn't won a playoff game since like 2014 when my oldest was a freshman. But then they lost in the second round. But hey, it was such a fun game. (laughs) So those are always fun. The wins. And uh, the losing, I'm trying to figure out how to like, I mean, I'm okay with losing, but why does it have to be so like, not fun. Maybe it's because their game, they lo- they were losing by a lot. It was like, ended up being like 10-1. But, so maybe it's not as bad when it's close. I don't know. That's another topic to figure out. The serendipity mindset. Now, this book came out in 2020. So I'm not like super far behind in You know, it hasn't been like 10 years and this book came out. So it was just last year this book came out. And it was funny because this kind of came as another option when I was searching for the growth mindset book or really mindset. That book is called Mindset. I keep on calling it the growth mindset. But there were all these different books about your mindset, And so I thought, well, maybe it'd be fun to just read one of these books every couple months and talk about all these different types of mindsets because really it's just kind of fun to delve into like, well, if you start thinking a certain way, maybe these things might help you. And this one was 
another one that I thought was really kind of fun and helpful. And it's got a lot, a lot, a lot of information. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to distill all this down? And I'm not. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you some highlights because at first I was a little overwhelmed once I was done. I had a general sense of like the basics of what this is and trying to get into some of the how to get there. So luckily this week, I also watched a couple YouTube videos of the author doing a couple webinars or explaining this concept to for trainings. And it helped me get a better idea of what I should highlight today. So that's what I'm going to do. And yeah, so again, the book is called The Serendipity Mindset. And it is by Christian Bush, PhD. And I think he works, if I remember right, at New York, or he's a professor at NYU, New York University. We used to compete against them in diving. So I don't know if they still have their same diving coach, but I know him. (laughs) Anyway, random aside, but okay. So he begins the book kind of telling about how he got into thinking about serendipity. And it all happened because he got into this really, this accident that he somehow walked away from. And when the police came, it was like, wow, you probably, that's amazing that you're alive. And after that, he just, he thought about, oh my gosh, if I died, who would come to my funeral? And would anybody even care? And have I, do I have meaning in my life? And so I think he started really thinking about finding meaning in his life. And I just think it's kind of really cool how he made that turning point really in his life because he said he was kind of a goof off kid. He didn't do well in school And obviously now he's a professor, so he kind of turned it around and is really striving to help people. For the past 10 years, he's been studying this idea and kind of watching and exploring this idea of serendipity. And so he defines serendipity as the phenomenon as chance interacting with human action leading to unusual positive outcome. So that's the author's definition of kind of what he's describing as serendipity. So when you unexpectedly come across somebody or unexpectedly happen across like a discovery, then that is what he calls serendipity. And So then he says that the serendipity mindset is about recognizing that we can open ourselves to the unexpected. And it is about being prepared and free from preconceptions that can stop us being the victims or beneficiaries of luck, bad or good. We can nurture it, shape it, and make it a tool for life. In the science of serendipity, luck can be caught, coached, and created. This means that we can direct our learning, skills, education, and training programs toward influencing and mastering that process. So he talks about how many of you have had 
chance encounter with someone that led to meeting the love of your life or a chance interaction meeting someone and you guys become business partners or have a business venture or even a chance meeting and you find your new best friend. Or you have this chance interaction with someone and you're trying to work something out and they somehow give you just the right information that you need at the time. And he talks about just this idea that we can, instead of thinking, oh, life is just full of good luck or bad luck, that we start becoming more aware and open to this idea of serendipity and that we can actually do a few things that help maybe get your feelers out to open your mouth a little bit and then it might happen a little bit more. So he then mentions there's this experiment that I can't remember where it's from. So sorry, guys, but an experiment where they're studying like someone who identifies themselves at quote unquote lucky and someone who says they're just so unlucky. And so they have this situation and they have this lucky person and unlucky person and they have these hidden cameras and they've like put a five pound note because I think he's originally from Germany, this author, Christian Bush. And um, I think this actually took place in England. But so they they set up this experiment to see what the difference was. If someone identifies themselves as lucky or unlucky by first, you know, having cameras, then putting a five pound note right in front of the door to this coffee place. And then... They had actors set up at all the different tables except one. So there was only one open seat. And in that seat was like a very influential businessman who could technically make all your dreams come true. And so the lucky person goes, walks down, notices the five pound note, picks up the note, stands in line to get his his or her coffee chats with the barista, makes a new friend there. Then he sits down with the businessman, starts chatting up with the businessman and makes a new friend there. Then the unlucky person comes. He doesn't notice the five pound note on the ground, just orders his coffee, doesn't make any small talk with the barista. And then he has to sit at the table with the businessman, but he doesn't really talk to him. So when asked afterwards, the lucky person was like, oh my gosh, I had the best day. I found this five pound note and I made two new friends. And the unlucky person said, well, nothing really special happened. So sometimes I think in my own life, like I really do think that sometimes I'm like, wow, it was so lucky we left five minutes later or we would have been involved in this accident Like I remember a couple different times, like just coming back from dropping my kids off, waiting a minute and then going back and there was an accident that had happened in between the time that I was like back and forth. Or I think of the fact that was so lucky that I chose to go to Boston College and that Nate, who became my husband, chose to go there too. And that's where we met and that we both chose to like 
try out for this acapella group. So it's just interesting, this idea. I've never really thought about as lucky or, but this has just been an interesting way to think about things. And I'm sure you guys can think of times in your lives where you have ran into or just felt like you've had this almost like little miracles because I feel like in a religious sense or spiritual sense, I think that's when you call, oh my gosh, that was a total miracle that I just ran into this person. And we met up and started talking about this thing and now he's going to help me with something or that you you know, meet your love of your life. I mean, how many romantic comedy movies and books all start with the serendipity? There's even a movie called Serendipity. So in this book, what Mr. Bush is kind of points out is that we can be better at seeing some of these situations that may be unexpected, but kind of taking advantage and noticing when something expected happens Do we then notice a trigger, then connect the dots is what he says, and then have the tenacity to do something about it. And as I was talking to Izzy, she's like, that's what we do all the time is like, we are opening our mouths and trying to be open to people all the time, whether it would be as we're going in a park, we always try to talk to people or making phone calls or, you know, trying to reach out in that way to find out who might be in search of learning more about Jesus Christ. So I just think it's interesting if you think about it in a spiritual sense, you can kind of relate it to, oh my gosh, I think that's this all working together, kind of God's seeing God's hand in things. And so he never really puts it in that way, but that's sort of what I'm gonna talk about okay so when I mentioned like he talks about the trigger and that is like when something unexpected happens and we can then choose to not do anything or we can choose to like see something a connection we see some kind of connection and then we choose to do something And so what he says is kind of the first thing to do is just not be surprised that the unexpected is going to happen. Sometimes we feel like we have like all this control over our lives, but there's a lot of times even in our daily lives where the unexpected will happen and to kind of expect the unexpected. And he begins in this book talking about a lot of things that came out of serendipity moments. So he talks about the post-it notes. I don't know if you know the story of how post-it notes happened, but the guy who was creating post-it notes was actually trying to create a super strong glue. And he ended up creating the glue that actually is not super strong, but is actually super useful. And so he then saw the usefulness of it And now post-it notes are, what, everywhere? (laughs) Everyone needs post-it notes. Or there was this company that got a call from some farmers in China, and they made washing machines. And this company from China, or I don't know if it was a company or these group of farmers, but they're like, hey, we wash our potatoes in your washing machine, and it's just not working very well. They seem to get clogged up. And instead of the customer service or whoever was 
on the call saying, wow, well, obviously it's a washing machine. It's not for potatoes. They decided to take that opportunity to tweak their washing machines so it could filter out dirt a little bit more. And now there's like potato washing machines that they like sell to a lot of these farmers. Potato washing machines. I think it's kind of cool. There's a lot of unexpected things that happen because of serendipity. I like to think, I, I did a quick search. Like I remember when I was going through my pastry school, there were always desserts. They're like, oh, this happened on accident when they were like making this pie and they turned it upside down and it totally worked. And I couldn't remember the exact things. So I looked up a few and there were a couple that stood out right at the turn of the century popsicles were a serendipitous thing or unexpected where it was this 11 year old boy in 1902 after he left powdered soda water and a stir stick outside in a cold night and the next day he woke up and it was a popsicle and then he started doing something about it right he did something ice cream cones were actually he said created it like at the st louis world fair in 1904 where an ice cream vendor ran out of cups and right next door, this guy Ernest Hemwe, who was a Syrian concierge, was making waffle-like pastries. He saw the dilemma of this ice cream vendor. He made the waffle pastries into a cone-like shape, let it cool down, and gave it to the ice cream vendor making waffle cones. Now, that was genius. And then the other couple things on the list were potato chips, Coca-Cola, corn flakes, and Worcestershire sauce. Is that how you say it? So in all of these situations, there was an un, something unexpected that happened, but then someone connected the dots in a way that could be useful or used as a new food but they had to do something. And that is what is kind of the last part of the serendipity. So you first, again, you have that trigger and then you start connecting the dots. So let's say with ice cream and the waffle pastry vendor was like, oh, I could probably help him out. I wonder if this would work. And then he does something. So he has the tenacity to do something, tries it out and it works. Also like think about when you meet someone and you have that connection, you then have to do something. It's not like you automatically fall in love and it's all good. I think of like, first of all, I go to Boston College. Well, I could have gone to Boston College and not joined any of the groups. So that's one thing I did. I ended up joining two groups, an acapella group and a corral, both of which Nate were in. Then I start becoming friends with Nate. I see maybe a connection and we become good friends. Then we start dating a year later. And we talk about how, wow, it's so amazing that both of us chose to go to the same school. How, what a miracle or how serendipitous that we met in that way. But there are things that you kind of have to do to connect the dots and have the tenacity to do something. So he says, sometimes we have barriers or biases that... Um, keep us from seeing or experiencing more serendipity in our lives. 
So the first one he said was we underestimate the unexpected. Um, He says in his book, openness to the unexpected is the key to being lucky. And then another thing he said was, if we airbrush serendipity out of our history, we make it far harder to spot it when it happens again. So he had this picture and a lot of times we usually when we tell a story of how things happened, it looks like a very straight line, like we made this choice, this happened, and then this happened. But in reality, the picture is more like you start at the beginning and there's a lot of like wiggly line. It's not really as straight as it seemed and there's a lot of chance things that could have happened. And then when we tell the story though, we kind of still tell it in the linear way. And he's like, sometimes I think it's important to tell the story of the unexpected because that is when we're embracing this idea of the unexpected is really happening all the time. So the second thing he says that kind of makes it hard for us to experience more serendipity or serendipitous have that mindset is we self-censor. So let's say we have a trigger And then we get an idea and then we're like, oh, that's just a dumb idea. And we don't have the tenacity to go through with it. So kind of being willing to, with that mindset to like, get yourself out there, fail a little bit. He's saying, is that what's going to create more serendipity as you're willing to try things if you have these ideas? And then he says the last thing that kind of really prevents us from taking advantage more of these serendipitous moments or having this mindset of like unexpected things happening is functional fixedness. So we're just stuck in a box of how we think things should work and happen or how they always have happened. Um, He gives an example of mobile banking didn't actually start in the U.S. because, you know, in the U.S. there were so many banks and ATMs that we didn't really need mobile banking. But mobile banking actually started in Kenya because there weren't very many ATM machines available and they wanted to get into this country. And so they decided everybody has phones. How can we somehow use banking with phones? And he said that is kind of how mobile banking sort of emerged because someone thought of it, thought of banking in this different way. So in this book, he, you know, talks about this mindset, how we, you know, telling these stories and some of the biases prevent us. But then as he goes into the next few chapters, he kind of is helping us to understand how can we develop this mindset. And he goes into a lot of suggestions. And after every chapter, when he has like, here's what you need to do to start thinking this way. And he has what he calls serendipity workout. Sometimes there's like seven to 10 things that he says you could do to start thinking in this different way. One of his suggestions is like, how do you develop or harness more serendipity situations? He says, ask more thoughtful questions at a conference instead of asking the normal, what do you do? Or 
instead of like when you meet someone new, like asking what they do, um, just ask more thoughtful questions. So one of his kind of workout suggestions is instead of asking for data and details, ask about experiences unique to the person you're talking to. Instead of asking something like, where are you from? Or when did you visit that country? Ask, what was that like? Or what made you do that? If we already know someone, we can break out of small talk as a way to build rapport and ask questions slightly differently. Instead of, what did you do this weekend? Try, what made you laugh this weekend? Now, I'll have to be honest, I really am not the most talkative person when I'm like, let's say on a plane or I don't really chat up with people in line. I mean, sometimes I do if like someone's talking to me, like I'm not really that standoffish, but I tend to not be the one to initiate it, if that makes sense. And especially on the plane, I know like there are times where I'm like, oh, I'll just say hi. And then if someone doesn't seem like they don't want to chat, I'm not going to like try to chat it up with them. And what was interesting is in August when I flew out to go to my nephew's wedding and I was coming back and I ended up getting stranded in Fort Worth, but the flight from Salt Lake to Fort Worth, I was sitting by this guy and we really didn't talk very much. I think I was kind of tired. But near the end of the flight, it started delayed and I was worried I wasn't going to make my next flight. So I asked the stewardess if there's any way like I could get off the plane quickly when the flight landed. And so she moved me up to the very front row. And it ended up that this guy sitting next to me had to make a really quick connection as well. So I hadn't really been chatting up with him. We chatted a little bit more, but what was funny is that as he was chatting and he was ended up being like texting with his wife and chatting with other people around me, I found out he had been on a fishing trip. So I'm sitting next to this guy who is this really big fisher. And I wasn't curious enough to ask any questions. Had I been willing to ask more questions, it's funny because my daughter, my youngest daughter, Millie, has really been interested in fishing, but we hadn't been very good at like getting started this summer. We had a hard time getting like the fishing line on and figuring that out. It was just like, we didn't know what we were doing. We watched a few YouTube videos and I was just kind of, sitting and thinking to myself, wow, if you had just been willing to ask a couple questions and been curious about this guy, you might have been able to find out a lot about fishing. You know, it sounds like he was this big avid fisher. So what one really profound thing that I think about this book that has helped me is getting a few questions like instead of like, what do you do? Or like, what are things that you're excited about right now in your life? Or just the opportunity instead of like, when you meet a new person, sometimes I'm worried about being liked or somewhat impressive. Okay. And I noticed that in this book, his goal is like, your job really is to find out what connection you have with this person. So Maybe you ask a few different questions and if it's going nowhere, then that's fine and you just kind of back off. But um, I just like this idea. Instead of worrying about how they will think of me, I should wonder what is it that we may have in common? Let's see if there's anything. If not, no big deal. But if so, we can make a 
connection. And I think that is what this book is really trying to train us to start doing more is like serendipity happens when you make a connection with someone, connect the dots, and then maybe work together in a way that you never even thought possible. My mom was so good at doing this. And every time we went on a trip to some random place, and usually, especially after church, she'd like be talking to someone and they find out that they're like related or they're knew their best friends or there was always some connection that my mom would make. And many times it wasn't with people like at church and she would just be curious about people, ask questions, and she would make these connections. That's one thing that's really kind of stuck with me. I have this whole just different idea of like, instead of worrying about being impressive, worrying like, what are ways I can make a connection? Okay, his next point, and he had a lot of different ways because there's like 300 pages in this book. So I'm just kind of talking about a few of them. But the next idea is looking at mistakes or crises differently. And sometimes you can have a serendipity moment when a crisis happens. Some trigger happens, you connect the dots and are able to have something really great happens. He talks about a couple different times, like there was, if you guys remember, I don't know how many years ago, but there was that volcano in Iceland going off and it curtailed travel in Europe for a while because it wasn't safe to travel with the ash in the air. Anyway, there was this conference that just happened and they were all stuck there. They couldn't fly home. All these people had been at this conference. So this guy reached out to Christian Bush and they ended up doing what they called the Volcano TEDx. They had, in three days, they had a TEDx organized. So they had this big TEDx event where people were giving speeches because they had all these people who had spoken at this conference and came to this conference who had all this information. Everybody was stuck in London. And this particular guy was like, oh my gosh, we have all these people here. Let's make something happen. Instead of just being like sad and watching movies. And he said, I think it was before Netflix. So (laughs) there wasn't that available, but... But yeah, sometimes you can be sad and depressed and some people will take those opportunities to be like, oh my gosh, maybe we can think of this differently. He also mentioned how Best Buy after Puerto Rico had their hurricane, they took the opportunity to really, what he says, reaffirm their values. And so they always say that family is important and our people are the most important. And so they went out in the community and helped as much as they could. And that really made a difference um, for their company. And I think it's interesting if you relate it back to the growth mindset is that mistakes really aren't a bad thing. We need to think of them as, oh, they're just simply information. I need to maybe do something different or a crisis is maybe an opportunity to rethink something. And I think with COVID, there's so many ways we've really rethought how we do things. And we had to do that. And that's really, you can see people thriving in that way who have looked at those situations differently. And then the other thing he said you can do to have more serendipity is 
look at things from a whole different perspective. He calls it reframing situations. Um, he tells of a company called R Labs. He talks of a, a time where they go into South Africa, this really poor area of Cape Town. And instead of wondering what they needed, what are some of their limitations, he decides to think of things differently about like, okay, what resources are here that these people already have that we can take advantage of? And they turned empty garages into training spaces to train some of these, they're like ex-drug addicts and ex-drug dealers. And they saw them more as entrepreneurs. And they've started delivering these positive messages of hope to a lot of people in the South Africa area of Cape Town and making a big difference just by rethinking this idea of sometimes there's more resources there than you think of and you just need to reframe it. And the last thing um, he kind of says is, so when you are having a conversation and someone asks you, what do you do? He calls it set a hook. He says you should set at least three hooks. So instead of answering the normal like, okay, I, I do this podcast or something like that. So you mention, obviously answer their question, what do you do? This is what I do for work. And this is something I'm really excited about. So like for me, hey, what do you do? Well, I mostly stay at home with my kids. I have a podcast that I really enjoy doing. And I am super into this book, The Serendipity Mindset Lately. And I've just learned a lot. Or you could say, and I, I've just been really getting into playing the piano again lately. You know, just kind of, it's still short, but he's saying if you offer three or four hooks when you're meeting someone new or when someone asks you a question like that, that's three or four different opportunities for someone to find a connection. I know that's really, I think, going to help me. I'm, I'm thinking a lot about setting hooks because I sometimes feel a little self-conscious when people ask me what I do. Like I should be doing more and I feel like, oh, well, I don't really have a quote unquote like paid job. But if instead, again, going back to this idea of instead of worrying about impressing somebody, but making a connection, I can just go into like, oh yeah, well, I'm mostly home with my kids, but I have this podcast and I'm interested in these three things and kind of see where that leads. I think that is just so, so helpful. So setting hooks when you're with people. Okay. So again, at the end of the chapter, he will have, you know, little suggestions, like here's something you could work on. So one of these kind of regarding setting hook says, when you run an event that is about connecting people, ask people to share, number one, what they are currently most excited about, number two, their biggest challenge, and three, their favorite serendipity story. And then be an active listener when the other person speaks. And that also reminded me of like my favorite birthday parties when we took the time to have like those little icebreaker and you get to know somebody because, hey, there's usually three or four questions that you may not know about them. And one of them is usually a little bit 
different. So then you get to know them. You have the connection. And those were always my favorite birthday parties because here I was making more of a connection in a deeper way. So again, when you are having people over, having opportunities to meet new people, just feeling like, oh, I'm going to throw out these hooks and see who can I connect with here instead of, it's so easy to be like, oh, I just, who's going to like me or who will I like? But I just love this new idea. It's like stuck with me. There is like tons of tons, like I've just barely kind of shaved the surface of this book. But I just love the idea that he's saying we need to embrace this idea that the unexpected really does happen all the time. And if you really don't want to read the book, I will link to a couple of the YouTube videos that I watched that also helped really kind of distill this idea of the serendipity mindset. But there are a couple really cool quotes that I just want to mention at the end. This kind of how he finishes, or it's near the end of the book, and he says, for the serendipity mindset, every missed flight becomes an opportunity for love, meeting an investor, making a friend, you name it, if you speak to the person next to you. Again, I think of when I was stranded in Fort Worth, I like hid myself in a hallway (laughs) and watched movies like half the night. And I did not try to reach out or connect with anyone. Who knows? I could have, you know, I don't know, met somebody. Who knows? Then he says, developing a serendipity mindset is all about how we frame the world. Establishing a core motivation, seeing and connecting the dots, turning them into opportunities, and potentially accelerating and amplifying them. It's just like this whole idea of there's just opportunities out there for us to see if we just take a moment to notice and have an open mind. And then the last thing I really liked this quote was serendipity, that it is not a loss of control, but indeed the only way to get rid of an illusion of control. Ooh, I thought that one was another good quote. Because sometimes we think we have so much control over lives or we want to think we do. And yet, you know, even just as we drive to go pick up our kids, like there's so many unexpected things that can happen. And sometimes those are super frustrating when there's an accident, but there's a lot of serendipity, this idea of this positive, unexpected thing that can happen. So guys, this is, was just a really cool book and this uh, just new way to think about life, serendipity. Again, I love this idea of reframing the idea of instead of trying to impress someone, that you try to connect with someone by throwing out hooks or asking more thoughtful and meaningful questions when you meet somebody. And then that's when serendipity is potential that you that it might happen. And I think this whole idea of the serendipity mindset will also help like when something unexpected happens, a lot of time that gives us a lot of anxiety. But instead thinking, hey, the unexpected really can bring some beautiful and amazing things into our lives. So if you want to read the book, again, it's called The Serendipity Mindset by Charles Bush. And I will have a link to it on my website. 
And you guys, so fun. So try it out. Maybe open your mouth a little bit or watch a couple of his videos so you get maybe even a deeper understanding of like how really to think about this. Have a good week, you guys. Remember to sign up for my newsletter. I'll have a link in the episode description, like on the podcast app, wherever you're linking, you can click it and it'll go right to the landing page. Make it really easy. Okay, guys, thanks again so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Okay, bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening. 